This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Well, it's all of a fair and a handsome girl. She's all in her tender years. She fell in love with a sailor boy. It's true, she loved him well. For to go off to sea with him like she did not know how, she longed to see that seaport town of Kennedy, I.O. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, two traditional folk songs at a time. Part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. Joining us this week to talk about Kennedy IO and Jack Aro is fellow Bobcat Jim Morrison. Hi, Jim. Hello. How's it going, Rob? Thank you so much for being here. I'm really happy to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I'm excited to find out why you wanted to specifically wanted to talk about cover songs that Bob has done as opposed to one of his original songs. But we'll get to all that presently. But first, again, i got to ask that you're, you're new to the show. How did you become a fan of Bob in the first place? That's a great question. Appropriate. <laughs> um, growing up, you know, my, my mom and dad were big fans of James Taylor, Paul Simon, Willie Nelson. Uh, but, you know, I never remember hearing a, a Bob Dylan song in my house as a kid. Probably the first time was like, We Are the World or uh, Handle With Care. And so that's it. And then uh, in the 1993, 1994, I began my lifelong love affair with Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. And uh, my favorite songs in those first years of hearing the dead were It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, Tangled Up in Blue, Simple Twist of Fate, Positively Fourth Street, and Visions of Johanna. And um, I rich- eventually sat around and said, you know, all these songs are by the same person. I probably should go give him a listen. Uh, so I went to the local library in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. And they had one CD in the rack and it was, uh, good as I've been to you. And so <laughs> I remember yeah. really that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. the one. And I, it's always been kind of a hilarious anecdote because I, I stood at that counter. I was probably 14. And if you know what it looks like, he's got on a leather vest. He's got on what looked like rubber pants. He's got the, like some kind of wrist brace and an acoustic guitar. And they're just like, wow, what is this? And I, I took it out of the library and I brought it home. And, uh, I just remember the total cognitive dissonance of what I expected and what I heard from that record. Um, it was so raw. His voice was, you know, exceeded expectations of what everyone says about his voice. And I, I just, I really fell in love with the record right away. Huh. So, okay. I want to back up a little bit. So you said you were, you were getting introduced to Dylan's songs through the Grateful Dead. Yeah. When that was happening, were you aware in the moment that those were Bob Dylan songs or did you think that those were dead songs? And then later on you were like, Oh, those are covers of this guy, Bob Dylan. They're doing. No, I knew they were dead songs, but I just didn't like, you know, I didn't, my friends, my family didn't have those records around, you know, and all that music was coming to me free on tapes and things like that. So it just wasn't something that I didn't have a lot of records until I, until I went to the library that day and got my first one. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, that's fascinating. But, so again, well, yeah, thank, but I mean, thanks I was grateful that. <laughs> Yeah, oh, fully. I mean, and the lyrics of those songs, you know, Positively Fourth Street, Visions of Johanna, I was just kind of like, my mind was blown, to be honest, you know, by, by that poetry. All right, well, so then, okay, well, then it's it's really fascinating as that you would you would go and search this out, and the first one you right. would find is Good As I've Been To You, which could not have been further from <laughs> what you were just talking about, Visions of Johanna and Positively Fourth Street. So have you seen Bob yeah. Live yet? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, at, at that point, that kind of launched me off. That was my first record, but by no means my last. I kind of went really hard. I went all in on Dylan and, you know, fell in love with It's All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding and Gates of Eden. I had these homemade posters that I made in my room when I was 15 or 16 with lyrics written all out. Ooh, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And then being <laughs> close to New York, I, you know, I would go over to Greenwich Village and kind of, you know, whatever, try to see what I could piece together of, of whatever the story was that were coming together. Um, about his time in New York and things like that. So I kind of went hard into it and went to college in 1996. And I think between 1996 and 2011, I saw him about 45 times. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we went all in. My friends and I in college were super into Dylan. Put it that way. <laughs> that um, was not the number. I was no, no, it's, it, it was a thing, you know, it was like, what else was there to do except, uh, <laughs> study and, study at Dylan shows and study at school and have fun. Um, but yeah, time out of mind came out in 1996, you know, the soy bomb at the Grammys. And so, uh, it was just a, a cultural moment. And my, my friends were all into it. A big group of us, about 15 kids in college. We would kind of follow him around. If he came around, we'd see two or three shows in a row. Uh, he toured with some people we loved those years, like Natalie Merchant, he was on a tour with, and we loved her, her Ophelia record. And so we just, we just went all in on Dylan. I've seen some really, memorable uh shows during that time um the fir the first time i saw dylan actually was with the dead in, in 1995 uh in highgate vermont that was you know legendarily a, a terrible performance by the dead but dylan's was great we were i was in the woods we, we didn't have tickets and i heard stuck inside of Memf mobile you know with the memphis blues again and the security guards came into the woods and were like the gates are down you guys can just come on in and that was like how I entered to that song. And then also I got to see Jerry play steel, uh, steel pedal with Dylan down in RFK in Washington. But those were, those were the high school shows in college. We, you know, like I said, and beyond into the two thousands, we really, I saw some great things. I took my mother to go see Bob Dylan on her, maybe like 60th birthday. He, uh, Joni Mitchell opened for him. He played, um, times we've known by Charles Anzavar, the French. Oh, I, was, I think singer. I was at that show. Yeah. Yeah. MSG. That was great. Um, and then I was just thinking about, you know, coming on the show and know you're going to ask me about shows. I, I went to see him for two days in Telluride in 2011 in August. And I, I pulled into town, uh, on a Greyhound bus from New York. Just two days earlier, I had seen Radiohead in New York City with my friends from college. It was kind of the end of that time period. Yeah. Two days in Telluride. I, I, I met the band, not him, but I met the band on the street. You know, in my memory, it was like a Wild West movie, but it was like Larry Campbell and Tony Garnier. Uh, right on the main street in, in Telluride. That was some, mem some memorable concerts for sure. Wow. That's fascinating. So is this your, is that your general disposition? Is that when you get into something, you jump in neck deep? Is that, is that, is what, that the, you know, you do that I, for other things that you get into? I think that's probably what my friends and wife would say. Yeah. That's, that's probably accurate. But I mean, Dylan is a whole other ballpark. You know, it's kind of, yeah. you know, he's a, a, a Nobel Prize winner and a poet and, crosses generations i actually was just teaching a well, not teaching I'm, I'm hosting a club in middle school that i work at and last time we listened to blowing in the wind last wednesday and this kid is like 12 he's like people don't write songs like this anymore I <laughs> and i i just took a deep breath you know and i was like yeah no they don't write songs like this anymore ain't that the like truth <laughs> yeah it's wild right well, yeah, I mean, so it, Bob Dylan, of course, is if you are someone who, when they get into something for the first time, just goes hog wild, as you say, Dylan is a perfect thing yeah. for that because it just goes on forever. 
Even even right. when you think you've heard it all, you're like, oh, there's no, there's a thousand other shows of bootlegs that I haven't heard yet, and there's other songs I've never heard of and stuff like that. So it's it's he's perfect for that, you know. He has right. There's eras of his life that kind of map onto the records really well, so it 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 grows with you as well over time, as I'm sure you're you and your listeners know. Yeah. So you know, okay. some, oh, all right, no, go ahead. I was going to say no, something no, really weird. Something really weird is that I think I've seen three people like faint and pass out at Dylan shows over the years. Hmm. Um, and and the third time it happened was listening to that song Sugar Baby. You know that song <laughs> where he says, <laughs> "Okay, look up, look up, make meet your maker." And mm-hmm. this woman just like fell, like just passed out right next to me. <laughs> really so like, that's the third it. time that's happened. Yeah. I was like, wow. So he's, I guess, pretty powerful for some folks. <laughs> so, okay. Well, all right. Well, now I'm fascinated at the idea of that you, you go and you search out your first, you know, Dylan record proper. Yeah. And it's yes. good as I've been to you because you're coming after, you know, you're, you're coming into this thinking, well, this guy's this amazing poet. He's written these incredible songs that I'm coming to through the Grateful Dead, but the poetry is the thing that I'm really hooking into. And yeah. here's a record that is as far away from all that as as humanly possible in terms of its approach and, of course, the material. Do you remember what your... I mean, I'm guessing you enjoyed it because you specifically asked to talk about songs from it for this for this episode, but I'm fascinated that that you were... Where your mind was about when you got this, were you like, wait, what is, what is this? Like this, where, where's the visions of yeah. Johanna type stuff? That's right. Yeah. Every, everything w- was weird about it. I mean, but I, I mean, I have to say like Frankie and Albert, amazing song, mm-hmm. Canada DIO. There, there's a lot of really great songs on there. I'm not sure that I knew any of them. I might've known Froggy goes to Courton from like preschool. <laughs> right. Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think for me, it was like, I definitely was open to, like risk taking and song, you know, being a fan of the Grateful Dead is like a, a constant exercise in, in risk taking and, and different genres and styles. And so that's definitely where my mindset was at the time. Um, and so I, I was open to it, uh, fr- from the beginning. Yeah. But I mean, I probably got it, listened to it a bunch of times and then, you know, quickly sought out, uh, the next one, which I, I think has always nice was bring it all back home was probably my next record. Oh, well, oh boy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so I, again, I'm also, I'm interested is that when you got this record, when you got good as they've been to you, yeah. what did you think of the vocal stylings? Because even, but one of the big knocks that people like to have on Bob is that he mutters, you know, he mumbles. That's the thing. And and to most of us, it's like, Oh yeah, I've heard that joke a thousand times. Right. But, but straight up on these records, he's mumbling. I mean, he really is. I mean, I, I my ear is attuned at this point to his vocal stylings and I am able to discern what he is saying better than most people. Because again, I've had years of experience, but I will say during this period, when these records were coming out, this is pre the internet. There was no way to, for me to look up these songs. I made the effort to get the song books to both of these records, just so I could learn the words. Cause even though I had listened to these records a thousand times, there were some moments where I'm like, what is he saying? Like literally, what is he saying? He's like he's kind of like he's like really muttering into I the always, mic. It's a very particular style. That's interesting. I I always thought of it less of murmuring, more of like gravelly. Like mm. uh, he's seen some things, you know, <laughs> and, and 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 it 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 drew my attention in. I don't know what to say. Like I, I was like, what is happening? And 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 the other piece of it is that is it, it's only one person. Well, uh, that's what I bl- was. Bl- I believed. I don't know. I've read that there's like a second guitarist on these records. I don't know that that's true. But you know, that's the other piece of it is like all this sound is just one guy, 
And so that's what I remember thinking too. Like I hadn't listened to anything like that before. I don't think. Like, like, look how much you can, look how much sound you can produce by just being one guy, you know, just yeah. one guy. Um, yeah. I remember again, getting this, getting the, the first one, the good as I've been to you. And there's no, uh, you know, there's the photo of him on the front cover. And then there's the back photo where, which is completely out of date. You know, it's from like 1986 for some reason. Yeah. And yeah. there's no, there's nothing. There's no, in, I mean, world gone wrong. He would, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. World gone yeah. wrong. He, does the liner notes but the good as i've been to you there's nothing and it really is just like here are the songs that's it that's that's the all subtext i'm giving you that yeah it, that's it there's nothing else and it it's a challenge and i know for some i can remember i remember contemporary reviews some people were like you know what the hell like you know this is the guy the greatest songwriter of the latter half of the 20th century and he's singing froggy went a courting but right i loved it i love this yes. i love them both i still think they're yeah. terrific records incredible actually and i'm looking at the track list now and it's like hard times was the standout for me at the time i think i think willie nelson had done a version of that song maybe i had heard that song uh you know by by willie nelson and then i thought that the sitting on top of the world was a an early dead song that they did with the (laughs) same title and so that's kind of probably what drew me even further in to just make sure you know what's the song with curiosity but i'm looking at i mean arthur mcbride that song wow you know they're classic songs, 200 years, timeless, timeless poetry. They're not his poetry, but I mean, that's what drew it, drew them to him, you know? And then researching some of the, the, the artists that have done Kennedy IO, it like reads kind of like a, a, a Dylan songbook with Joan Baez and Shirley Collins and. Oh, absolutely. Well, like that's a, that's a perfect, perfect segue. Let's talk about Kennedy IO, which said is from good as I've been to you. So why of all the ones from that record, did you want to, did you want to talk about that one? Yeah, well, I've always been fascinated with, uh, you know, the, the, the young girl that dresses up in sailor's clothes to kind of follow her true love or follow her passion or whatever she's following. It usually is love, but it really could be anything because most of these women are, are pretty strong characters. Um, so that's, that's, that, it, it fits into that kind of, uh, pool of songs that I love of just kind of, uh, gender fluid, you know, uh, kind of badass women who who are, are are gonna get what they need. So that's that's why that song always has always stood out to me on this record. Um I always love those songs. It's a first of all, it's a really beautiful performance. Uh you yeah. know, at least the way the, the the tune and you know I I cop to this all the time. Like I have absolutely no ability to like really understand how music you know music is composed. And so, you know, I'm always like, okay, is this, did he take this arrangement from something? I don't really, you know, barely sort of understand all that. Um, but it, it seems as though it would from, and then he's credited, um, on bobdylan.com as having written the song, the arrangement. But I don't know if that's really strictly true because it seems that most of the covers, yeah. maybe not the Joan Baez one, cause that's from the early sixties, but a lot, most of the versions of Kennedy IO that, we that anyone might have heard now seem to all come from one source, which is this Penguin Eggs record by oh, Nick, yes, Jones, Nick Jones. Right? My, well, yeah, I love it. Now explain love to everybody it. what that who who and what that yeah. is. Yeah, so Nick Jones has a record called Penguin Eggs, and he does Kennedy IO on it. it's very similar in, in its in its um 
arrangement to the Dylan record. And Nick Jones, actually, who, I, you know, upon le- loving this song and over the years, I, I sought out that record. It's gorgeous. He's an English folk, folk, folk singer and guitarist. He plays guitar on one of my favorite records of all time, which is called um, Airs and Graces by June Tabor. Um, and and the, that album, if anybody needs an album to sit with for the winter, uh, I would go get it. It's called Airs and Graces. And he plays guitar on most of the songs that aren't acapella. And it's just beautiful, uh, finger-picking, uh, quick, amazing patterns and rhythms. And a lot of her songs are also along the same line of kind of uh, basically tales of women surviving or not surviving the... Uh, the uh, horrors of patriarchy. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I hear in, in her songs. It's, it's a, it, there are a lot of harrowing songs, but also a lot of strength and uh, survival and strength. So, yeah. Yeah. This, so Nick, Jones, this Nick Jones record really seemed to be, uh, I found a, um, in looking for covers of this, you mentioned Joan Baez. I found a, a live cover of it by uh, Warren Zevon and, oh, yeah. and he, and he cre- straight up credits on stage, the Nick Jones record. And it's always sort of funny to me, just as a side thing, like I love Warren Zevon. I'm not a devotee of him the way I am of Bob, obviously, but like, I'm almost like shocked that Warren Zevon, like, has, like, has ever covered like old folk songs. He, like, Bob Dylan, I understand the, 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 the lineage, but Warren Zevon to me always seemed kind of like sway generous. Like he just sort of came fully formed and I'm like, Oh, he listens to old folk songs. I make sense. I guess so. But like, to me, he just seems like he just sort of popped into existence as Warren Zevon the way we know him and that's just who he was. And he just has like no influence. He's his own influence, but nevertheless, uh, he's crediting Nick Jones, the way he sort of, I guess, you know, Bob is unofficially here. Yeah. Well, a little tangential thing there is I, I saw Dylan do mutineer, which is a Warren Zeta yes, song. Yes. And that's kind of like, you know, isn't that a sailing the seas kind of song? True. So, that's true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I agree with you that like I, the idea that Dylan is credited with the arrangements, I think that Dylan will take credit for, anything he does, you know, I mean, that's proven true from whiskey to art to photography. Right. So, um, but yeah, uh, I heard a lot of the versions I heard that were earlier sounded similar too. And there's some really great modern versions too. I think that him, Dylan covering this song really put it into the, it seems to me, I saw like a recent 10,000 maniacs record and obviously John Wesling Harding and, and other folks doing this song as well. There's plenty of them out there. So, I mean, the, 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 uh, I quoted the opening uh, verse to it. I mean, the song goes on. He says, so she's bargained with the sailor boy all for a piece of gold straight away. Then he led her down to the hold saying, I'll dress you up in sailor's clothes. Your jacket shall be blue. You'll see that seaport town of Kennedy, IO. So what was it about these old folk songs that struck a chord in a young man in the nineties? Like what, what was it about these, these really ancient songs that, that felt relevant or important to you living in the you know in 19 in the 90s yeah you know that, that's a great question and i think i've thought about it a lot because i i do really like love these strong songs a lot um and this song in particular you know i'm i'm uh i'm kind of the only guy in a family of of a lot of women and so i've always really related strongly to the women in my life and felt their you know their pain and tried to kind of be their ally and be be alongside of them and the women in these songs are, are, are i mean her situation here you know she 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 gets on the ship and basically the crew discovers her and they're gonna they're gonna kill her they're gonna throw her overboard and the only reason she's there is to for love right but they're just so insulted that a woman could be 
in their male space that she can't handle it. And then she's saved by the captain, but this is a weird thing. He's not like, I'm not going to save you just because you're a person. Of course, he has a romantic interest with her or, or whatever. In other, other versions of the song, uh, he, he knows that if she's discovered on board, they'll all be hung. And so that's why he saves her. And I found some other lyrics. Oh, really? Of, yeah. Cause I was trying to figure out like, there has to be more to this song. Cause I think even Dylan says with some of these songs, like there's a universe inside of them. Mm-hmm. So there has to be more to this story than just the woman gets on board. Uh, she gets discovered. The captain finds her. They fall in love and, 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 and happily ever after. Right. Um, we'll talk about Chakaro in a bit, but you know, the, an interesting thing about both of these songs is who the narrator is. And so in Kennedy, I O, the narrator has this warning at the end it's like cautionary tale that's like follow your own true love whenever they go to sea if your love proves false to you the captain will prove true like this terrible advice you know (laughs) uh you know get on board this boat and if and if and if uh the man lets you down and wants to throw you overboard and and kill you like maybe the captain will love you and get lucky like there has to be a better option than that you know um, so I, I, it's funny because I, I love this song, but I've listened to it so much that now I'm like hypercritical <laughs> of the storytelling too. And I'm questioning the narrator. And I think that that's what's, what's great about a song or, or a great film, you know, is that it, it, it keeps revealing itself in different, through different lenses. Yeah. I mean, there are, there, this song definitely leaves stuff out. I mean, so does Jack Rowe again. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I picked. We just, when we decided to do two songs, I was like, okay, you pick one and I'll pick one. And I went with Jack Rowe and I didn't, I didn't consciously pick that to match it up with Kennedy IO just because we haven't done Jack Rowe yet. And it's one of my favorites, but I realized, right. you know, having researched them, both, like, well, God, there's a lot of similarities here and that it's got, they're both sailor songs. They're about a woman sailing off into presumably what at the time would be considered, you know, the man's world, the man's business of doing all this. And then it features stylistically in the final verse, this pullback from yeah. by the narrator. Now we're in a whole different world, but this song, yeah. you know, this Kennedy AIO, it's like, yeah, you know, she jumps onto the boat and they're going to kill her. And it's like, well, luckily the captain falls in love with her. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Maybe she didn't feel totally uh, at Liberty to say no to that. Given the yes. situation. Yes. <laughs> they're, you know? they're- there is yet another version where she gets, I think it's called William Taylor or William Tyler. And in that version of the song, when she finds out, she gets on the boat and she's like, asks the captain, like, where's William Tyler? You know, that's who I'm here for. And he's like, you know, my dear, like he's married another. So when she gets to the new world, uh, she basically hunts down the, the wife and, and William and, 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 and kills them both. Oh my Lord. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a quick pivot to a murder ballad from a love story, right? Isn't it? So, <laughs> wow. yeah, it's really, it, it, yeah. I'm surprised Bob doesn't sing that version. He loves murder ballads. I'm right? a little shocked that he, he sings the kind of more gentle uh, version of it here. Uh, by the way, in the, in the penultimate verse, when it says, now when they come down to Canada, scarcely about half year, she's yeah. married this bold captain who called her his dear. She's dressed in silks and satins. Now she cuts a gallant show. Yeah. Finest. Of the ladies down Kennedy IO. One of the things I came away from these records when I was getting them at the time was the, you know, the, the use of this old timey language. In a lot of ways, some of this language is gone forever. We don't talk this way anymore, but I was, yeah. I want, I loved some of these phrases like cuts a gallant show is just such a great term 
for looking sharp, looking fine, yeah. looking like, you know, and I've, I've desperately tried to work that into my sort of language, my ver- vocabulary, but I have completely failed at that because it just sounds so awkward. But I remembered hearing these records and hearing these lines and saying she cut and the way he sings, she cuts a gallant show. And I'm like, that's a great, that's just very evocative. Like that's pulling up. I'm, I'm getting this portal into a world that is long gone, but yet it's alive here because the gut, this guy is singing it to me. Yeah. And that actually resonates stylistically through like the way Bob dresses and the way the band dresses. And, mm-hmm. and there's definitely other allusions to that and other lyrics and other songs as well about just like kind of looking sharp and, and, and looking fine and dressing for the moment. Um, oh yeah. He so, makes the band look like the band always looks like a bunch of really cool gangsters. Right. So yeah, that, I, I, I too uh, am struck by that uh, kind of imagery and uh, the turns of phrase that are, are, are evaporating from the modern talk, modern speech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that must be something that Bob himself is really into because like all the records that he puts out when you buy the, the physical media, they, they all have that old timey labels on them and stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, Bob's aesthetic is that kind of thing. He wants this sort of, he wants his records to look like they were pressed in 1925 kind of and that's that's like his whole thing um but then the, the last verse of the song which is come all you fair and tender girls wherever so you may be i'd have to follow you your own true love wherever he goes to sea for if the sailors prove false to you well the captain he might prove true you'll see the honor that i have gained by the wearing of the blue and again i like that it's changing speakers and tense in this last verse uh you know and there i was not able to find who possibly wrote this? Like, this is just listed as traditional, which means it's lost in the midst of time. Who actually wrote this thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the only thing that I can see, uh, like on, you know, Wikipedia, just looking through it's 18, about 1839. It says, good Lord. Wow. Yeah. And it's this <laughs> route books is a song 309 in the route collection. Um, also known as wearing of the blue. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing that you could source these things because as they go through time, like they change them. I mean, I would have guessed that the song, like you talk about the, the verse where the, 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 the girl gets off the boat and murders the, her, 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 her beloved and his wife. That feels like, it's like, is, is that even the same song? That feels like a completely different tune. Yeah. But you know, that's the thing is that as I've listened to the song, I don't know so many times. That's what I think is like, it's like a, a bit of truth that's missing, you know? I don't, I don't know. There's like, what about her rage? What about her anger for, for, for being, uh, you know, betrayed by her, her one true love, um, betrayed by the, the sailors on the ship? You know, it's just kind of resolved in a petticoat and, uh, and a wedding. So that, 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 and that always, uh, did not ring true, but it, but also, um, like I said, the, the, the instrumentation, the, 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 doors that this song opened up to other songs like it for me is what really brings its value forward. Oh, completely. Um, one of the other things that about good as I've been to you that always remains somewhat, even though this record is, you know, in a lot of ways could not be more straightforward. It's Bob doing 12 or 13 classic folk songs. It is, it is sort of draped in mystery because you've got that, that producer Debbie gold, which is this sort of, mysterious figure in dylan history and that like i i leave me i've never read a single interview with her i've seen a picture of her and bob and they're like goofing around like they're smiling but it's like this is someone who i've never really been familiar with as part of like dylan's circle 
and she sort of shows up and records this record with him and then sort of similarly disappears yet again. You know, wow. and I'm like, well, who is this person? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, we're, I mean, over the years, we've read interviews with Bob Johnston and Tom Wilson and Jerry Wexler and certainly Daniel Lenoir, these people that have famously produced Bob or even Arthur Baker for Pete Six. But then you've got this Debbie Gold person who just kind of was, was literally the only other person in the room when he sat at, like, imagine it's like getting like a private concert of Bob Dylan singing you some of his favorite folk songs. Like, what a, that's, I want to hear from this person. Yeah, I, 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 that is incredible. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but that's kind of what I've been chasing. Like, I, imagine that's exactly what you said. Imagine seeing a twelve-song performance acoustic. Maybe those supper club shows where he he played a lot of of these songs like that. But that's what's that's the other piece that's been magical about them throughout the years is it's an opportunity to see him doing what he once did, but but strictly folk songs. Un- yeah, just unreal. So uh, live performance-wise, Kennedy I.O. has a big fat zero. It yeah. has never been performed live, which is, again, yet another element to this record that was sort of steeped in, if not mystery, certainly a little bit of confusion in that, you know, Bob Dylan has covered hundreds of folk songs live in his career, maybe, you know, maybe even in the thousands. And yet he chose when he puts out his first all acoustic record in 30 years, he chooses to do a lot of songs that he's never done before live. You know, yeah. you're like, well, wait, is this, this song is really beloved to him. He's never done it before. And he's never done it. He, the, you know, he didn't do it before and he hasn't done it ever after this. So it's like, he did it for this record. And then that's it. Like this, the that's the one shot that he's going to do Kennedy. I Owen. Yeah. And, um, the thing I think about a lot, obviously, too, is uh, that him and Jerry Garcia, Bob Dylan and Jerry Garcia, were definitely in a room alone with acoustic guitars teaching each other these songs because it's right in that time. It's early 90s. Uh, he's written about it, you know, since it's it's in the liner notes for World Gone Wrong about, you know, he taught him, Jerry taught him two soldiers. And so I think about that, too, because this is like a lot of the songbook from from the early 60s, 61, 62, that Jerry was playing in folk bands before the dead. Um, and so I just know that they had that affinity for old world songs, uh, kind of arrangements, uh, and this, and these dark kind of, uh, universe within a song lyrics. And so I can, I, a fly on the wall situation there. If you know, wow. Oh, you imagine, imagine what that no. would sound, what that would look like to see these two old masters and one of them teaching the other song. Like, here, this is how it goes. Like, oh my God, that would be right. and they both have such deep deep stated reverence for each other you know and it's even like proven out now in the most recent tour with him playing stella blue and playing uh truckin and playing other dead songs yeah this this stella blue version the second one that he did was so beautiful um and and yeah so i I think about that a lot especially with these old songs just because i know that jerry would have loved them and it's one of those things that what could have been if they, if he had stayed around, who knows what kinds of tours and collaborations could have happened, even just conversations and what they could have led to. Yeah. And, you know, we're and via these records, you know, Bob is, is keeping the folk process alive. He's, he's introducing people to songs that I never heard of almost any of these songs before these records. And now I know what they are. Now I have some familiarity with them. And so he's teaching me these, you know, he's in, in the most sort of uh, unmannered way possible. He's like, Hey, these are some songs that I think are great. And, you know, here's the, here's a chance for you to, to hear them. 
Yeah. Um, I, I remembered somebody at the time saying, you know, if you, it, it, in kind of, you want to look at it as a glass, uh, half full glass, half empty kind of thing, you could say, well, these are undoubtedly going to be the worst selling records in Bob Dylan's career. But if you want to, you could flip it around and say, but they will also undoubtedly be the best selling collection of folk songs in in decades you know <laughs> like yeah yeah because <laughs> he's just his name is going to bring people to it in a way that they wouldn't normally because it's like oh i want to hear old folk songs oh wait a minute bob dylan's doing them then yeah let me give these a chance wow and there's been such a folk revival too in the last you know x number of years mm-hmm. that i think that it, they stay they stay contemporary actually and they stay relevant i mean yeah, searching up the kennedy you could see there's probably you know, eight or nine artists that have, have done it. You know, there's a guy uh, that did a whole record called Good As You've Been To Me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude's name is, I don't know anything about it, but it's G-P-D, like uh, J-E-E-P-E-E-D-E-E. And this whole record, song for song cover. Um, and I listened to it a few times uh, over the last two weeks. It's, pr- it's pretty good. But there's more than that, you know. So I, I definitely think that these songs are out there and, like you said, um, <laughs> it continues the folk folk tradition, and and he makes it he by the by the dear sheer dint of Bob's personality, he makes it special. The first full Bob Dylan concert I ever saw was the third time I saw him live, but it was the first full on Bob show that I went to, and it was in New Jersey, and it was in like September of ninety three, and he sang "You're Gonna Quit Me," which you hardly ever does live and i remember just and like you know in the middle of a concert where he's singing these you know he's singing these other classics he's singing his most famous songs i remember being so excited that he was singing that song because it's so obscure and it's not something he does very alive a lot and i was you know and it was like here here's my chance to hear him sing tangled up in blue and like a rolling stone and all these bona fide immortal classics and yet the song I got the most excited for was this old folk song, just because I knew of its rarity as a live artifact. And I just remember being like, Oh, cool. He's singing. You're going to quit me, baby. I was, I was so jazzed about that. Have you ever seen him just like just acoustic or just with a bass or something like stripped down beyond the band? Very brief. I mean, real, I'd have to think about not, the only time I've ever seen him, ever just on stage by himself and i've mentioned this a million times is when i went and saw him at the 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 30th anniversary concert because when he came out he did song to woody and it's all girl from the north country and it's all uh it's all right mom by himself so i think that's probably the only time i've ever seen him not backed up by a band in any way so that that might be it well that's amazing i think the only time i've seen him do it is singing happy birthday to brian wilson right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rare. Um, yeah, it's pretty rare. So, uh, so okay. So after Good As I've Been To You, he decides to do another record of these, except he changes it up a little bit. And he pulls out some of his more familiar uh, bag of tricks. And so the liner, here's what Bob writes in the liner notes to World Gone Wrong about Jack O'Row. He says, Jack O'Row was another Tom Paley ballad. Tom, one of the original New Lost City Ramblers. The young virgin follows her heart, which can't be confined. And in it, the secrets of the universe, quote, there was a wealthy merchant, unquote, wealthy and philosophically influential, perhaps with an odd penchant for young folk. The song cannot be categorized, is worlds away from reality, but gets inside reality anyway and strips it of its steel and concrete, inverted symmetry, legally stateless, traveling under a false passport. Before you step on board, sir, are you any good at what you do? Submerge your personality. 
So (laughs) is that a chapter of uh, philosophy of modern song? No, it's from the liner notes to World Gone Wrong. (laughs) Unbelievable, right? Wow. (laughs) I read through that a few times uh, this morning. And I was like, what are you saying? What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? You know, that Lost City Ramblers, New Lost City Ramblers. I mean, the song is written in 1830. You Unbelievable. Know? Wow. Jack hey. Murnau, Jack Jackie Robinson, Jackie Frazier, Jack the Sailor. So it's interesting, even like that idea of like, in his mind, the song belongs to Tom Dale, Tom Paley. Or it doesn't, if he's just being Bob. Right. <laughs> now, this was something that the Grateful Dead covered quite a bit, right? This is one of their more familiar songs of their yeah. folk repertoire yeah for sure big time um and that that's definitely where i first heard it was was jack O'Row. they played it in the in the 80 80 acoustic shows uh they did like a first set it would be in that set yeah it's, it's it, i i like, love that you said it's one of your favorite songs it's one of my favorite songs too it's uh this is a, unlike kennedy io uh, i think the the uh the woman in the story is a little bit more developed oh I think yeah she's really yeah. the central character and her strength shines through and her conviction and uh, what she will do to accomplish her goals is, is like forefront in the song. I always thought that was really, really powerful and really beautiful. This whole, you know, I guess it's a trope in folk songs where it's like you reach your lover on the battlefield and either they are dead or you save them. Um, you know, that, that, that I've heard that in probably 10 different songs um, and, and it's well done in this one. Does the dead version sound like this with that kind of, insistent instrumentation that bob brings to it yes but the, uh, that's a that's a, a good point just to compare the two his is uh like much more strummier and and uh kind of driving and rhythmic than theirs theirs is a little bit more uh light if gotcha. that makes sense okay. yeah, yeah no yeah totally i remembered i mean i i love good as i've been to you but i think i prefer world gone wrong i just think the performances are just generally a little bit stronger across the board but i remembered hearing this and just that, and it, and he's got, there's a slight echo that he's put on his voice. And, and it, I remember being really cap- captivating by, it. and like, you know, you just talked about the, the protagonist of Kennedy IO certainly risks her life jumping onto a, a you know, a boat full of sailors. Yeah. But this, the, the character here of Jack Rowe has a lot more agency. I mean, she is, um, a barn burner, this, this young woman. I mean, she just jumps in and sort of, risks her life to find this guy. And again, the way that the, the two and, you know, the playing that Bob brings to it, it's not something he really does a lot for his own songs, but for these, I mean, it's very intricate guitar work as far as, again, my very unsophisticated ears can pick up. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's part where he does almost like a guitar solo. And I'm like, good Lord, this is, this is not anything I'm really familiar with him doing. Rob, have you r- read that, that the second guitarist on this record might be David Bromberg. I have not heard that. I've, I okay. know that there's that other set of folk songs he did with Dave Bromberg. Okay. That had some electric backing and he okay. ditched, ditched all those in place of these. So I've Maybe never heard that Bromberg. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I, cause I, that's what I hear too. There's like a complexity that's not typically there. Yeah. Uh, uh, in his in his playing and it also sometimes it sounds like more than one guitar because again it's that wall of sound mm-hmm. I, I i love this record i mean song for song i i it's hard to pick a favorite on this one because yeah. i mean seriously i mean look love henry holy cow a conversation between a parrot <laughs> you know and someone else i mean you go right down blood in my eyes delia delia i mean that's delia. delia i think is a perfect delia. song 
You know, I think that's a yeah. perfect song. Lone Pilgrim. I, I, I think I remember being like, you know, 17 and crying, you know, listening to that song. It's so beautiful. Um, so, and, and, and then, like I said, with the, with the universe within a song, it could lead you down the road of studying the civil war. It could lead you down the, the road of kind of like the founding of, uh, 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 of, you know, Newfoundland or it, it really can go any direction in terms of where you could take these songs. Yeah, I mean, not 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 to get off Jack Rowe, but you mentioned Delia. No, 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 no. This is, I love these diversions. Um, regarding to Delia, there's a quote that Bob has, and I'm I'm gonna butcher it a little bit, but in the early '60s, when he started moving from covering, you know, just doing folk songs to doing his own songs, he there's a quote that he says something about that he felt like what he wanted to say couldn't be contained via the folk songs that he was singing. And so he said, I, I gotta sing seven curses, which I think was the song he, he, you know, held up as like, this is something I wrote because this is what I want to say. And there's no pre-existing song that says it exactly the way I want to say it. And so therefore that's led him down the, the road of coming up with his own songs. But here we are, you know, now 30 years down the line and he's deciding, well, no, there are things that I want to say. And I, there are folk songs that can express those thoughts. I don't need to write my own songs. And I remembered the, the refrain and part, I do think that world gone wrong features some of his best singing. Um, I think it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, it's funny to think that like in the, the record sounds like it was sung by an 80 year old, like what Bob sounds like now. It's like, well, no, these records are 30 years old. He was only 50. Uh, I, I was, you know, I'm his age now. I can't bring this kind of grit to this kind of sentiment, but the lines right. in, in Delia where he sings, all the friends I ever had are gone. And I can remember, I think there were some parts of my life where I felt very lonely and that line really resonated with me. And I thought, well, Bob doesn't need to write his own version of that. The perfect, the perfect vessel for that thought is right there. It's in Delia and he's bringing yeah. it forth through that, you know? Um, so yeah, again, it was incredibly powerful. Um, stuff. So, but Jack Rowe, I said he loves it. Opens with, there was a wealthy merchant in London. He did dwell. He had a lovely daughter. The truth to you, I'll tell. So okay, yeah. immediately got a song. You know, someone is telling us this story. Yeah, she had sweethearts of plenty of men in high degree. There was none but Jackie Fraser. Her true love ever could be, or true love ever could be. Oh daughter, oh daughter, your body I will confine. Yeah. If none but Jack the sailor will ever suit your mind, your body you may imprison, but my heart you can't confine. There's none but Jack the sailor can have this heart of mine. Again, I just in just. Four verses of just three lines each. You've set up such an amazing world. Like, this is a movie. This That's song, correct. You know? <laughs> That's correct. That's what I always think about this song. I mean, how how cool can a father be to say, you know, you're, you basically, you, 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 your body is mine. Like, your decisions are mine. They are not yours. And she's like, nope, that's wrong. I'm getting on a boat and I'm, I'm going far away from you. Yeah, um, my, it's my really, really... Yeah, it's really, um, yeah, that's right. My, your body in prison. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think about the song. So, so he's a wealthy merchant, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, the, the, a big deal in wherever they are. And he wants her to marry somebody like him, you know, somebody in his image, somebody powerful and not just some sailor, but her, her, you know, her, her wishes are, are, are kind of not important to him. <laughs> right. And he said, Jackie's going to sand with trouble on his mind to leave his native country and his darling girl behind. She went to the tailor shop and dressed in men's array. Again, another old timey word 
that we don't really an array and nobody talks men's array. Uh, then she went into the vessel to convey herself away before you step on. And this, I love the, again, the, 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 the image that he can conjure. I know again, I know he didn't write this, but just yes. through, through his singing and the, the, the instrumentation before you step on board, sir, your name, I'd like to know. She smiled on her countenance. There's another old timey word. They call me Jack Rowe. Like you feel like that's the, that's the, if the, again, if this is a movie, that is the final part of the second act before we head into the third act, before we head into the conclusion of she gets on the boat, she's dressed as a boy and she's able to sell herself as they well, call me. She's taking the name. I'm, they call me Jack Rowe. I, what I, what the line I love is the next line. He says, I know my waist is slender. My fingers, <laughs> they are small, but it would not make me tremble to see 10,000 fall. It's like, wow. Uh, who is that brave? Who's going to stay? Who's going to be there? It, it kind of pretending to be a man on a ship sailing to quote unquote, the new world. I, I always envision it as kind of like you're sailing to like Newfoundland and you're going to enter down through Canada or you're sailing to New York or, or something. Um, and that could, it could not be that though. Uh, but yeah, just saying it, n- nothing can shake my conviction. You know, I could see yeah. 10,000 fall in front of me. I'm still determined to do this against the wishes of my controlling wealthy father who would have lined up a whole life for me should I had listened to him. Um, yeah. but I, but, but I have my own destiny. I, I, I was always blown away by, by that song with the dead singing it and with, with, with Bob singing it with, uh, Joan Baez singing it. And it, I should say that Joan Baez's arrangement, I think from 62. I think 62 or 63, it's that amazing Joan Baez in concert record. Mm-hmm. If people haven't listened to that, they should. It's gorgeous. Uh, that, it's a very similar, I think, version on there. But another, uh, another side quest. Of course, there's that Joan Baez documentary out now. Yeah. Uh, which, which I have not seen. I, I definitely uh, want to, but I, I gotta, I gotta say it drives me nuts with these headline writers because it was all over my social media feed. And so many of the headlines were. Referring to Joan Baez just in the context of her being Bob Dylan's ex-lover, I'm like, she's done other stuff, guys. Like yeah. she's done. I think we can I think we can all safely talk about the legacy of Joan Baez without really mentioning Bob. I mean, yes, I'm sure it'll come sure. up in the movie, but I you know, come on, headline writers, do do better, a- as they say. Absolutely. That's the legacy of the patriarchy of the song Alive and Well in 2023 yeah. headlines. Yeah. <laughs> of made, course. Made no progress whatsoever. So uh the war soon being over, they hunted all around among the dead and dying. Her yeah. darling, her darling love she found. By the way, on the lyrics here it says darling love she found. I always think Bob sings darling boy she found. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, he does. Boy, yeah, he does. darling boy she found. She picked him up all in her arms and carried him to town. And sent for the physician to quickly heal his wounds. Oh, to quickly heal his wounds. And then we get this really remarkable pullback, very much Black Diamond Bay sort of thing where, okay, I mean, you know, with the the opening verse, we've been told that this is someone telling us this story. But, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's a narrator, it's a third person narrator. But then you get this. This couple, they got married so well, did they agree? This couple, they got married so well. So why not you and me? Oh, so why not you and me? So this whole tune, this whole story is some other guy trying to pitch, you know, pitch himself to another woman. Like, wow, what a change up right in the final three lines of this song. Yeah, it's so it's so weird. And that that's it's so twisted because, again, uh, you know, not to be hyperbolic, maybe 300 times that I've heard this song in my life. And it's always like that last line. It's like, 
oh, wait a minute, you're trying to convince somebody to be in love with you by telling them this, like, harrowing tale of of bravery. And, I mean, I guess that's pretty romantic for someone. Uh, I'm not sure that it... I'm not sure that, that it does that for me, though. It's like, I wouldn't use that story to prove my love for someone. <laughs> right. It is a little... It's a little less than convincing, I would say. I think, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it works as a story by itself, but it is funny. All of a sudden, this guy, hey, why not you and me, like, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. now live wise, this has been performed live. Bob sang it twice for the supper club shows because he was mixing a lot of the uh, world gone wrong songs, uh, with, uh, his originals and the supper club shows. By the way, everybody, the supper club shows still remain unreleased in official form. And mm-hmm. what are we waiting for? Sony, I don't know what the delay is of that. I have bootlegs of them. They're fantastic. They were apparently shot. Video was shot of them, and Bob didn't like how he supposedly like how he looked in that. So the the video portion was scotched. But I, I just cannot believe that those performances are not considered worthy of official release. They're fantastic and they're really fun. Yeah, maybe hopefully someday, because oh. uh, I think that. They're, they're incredible. I mean, the set lists. Imagine being there at those yeah. shows. Didn't he play like 40 songs or something? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're great. And I remembered reading that like they gave away tickets at like a local record store. I'm like, what? Yeah. I miss all the cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, damn, <laughs> son of a bitch. There's a show. There's a show that's like that. That was at Lupo's in Providence, Lupo's Heartbreak Hotel, a venue I saw a lot of bands at. In the, in the late nineties. And he, he did something like that there too, where he just didn't get off the stage. I think he played for like three and a half hours straight. It oh, might have been around the, the same time. Was that the Toads? Is that the Toads? Place? Yeah. Is, is it Toads place? Not Toads, Lupo's, place, yeah. Toad's place. Yeah, to, yeah. That's in Providence though, right? Toads place. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And he's taking requests, you know, yes, like people are already it. singing. He's saying like dancing in the dark. I mean, yeah, you're like, this is one <laughs> of the most amazing things. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, come on, Sony, get with the supper club shows. I mean, come, what, 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 are, what are we doing here? Uh, but yeah, no, Jack Rowe, uh, has remained one of my favorites off of that record. It's just the, the, the driving intensity of it and just the, and I, you know, I, I, I like the, what we were talking about with Kennedy IO is the, the mystery of it is that we are left with what this woman's going to do. Like she finds Jackie Frazier, but he's dead. Well, now what? What is she going to do with her life? You know, but we don't, we never know because we're now caught up in this other guy trying to romance person in his life yeah uh, does 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 jackie frazier survive she says he's among the dead and wounded and she that's she true she takes for, him to her surgeon that's yeah true. i think she saves yeah. his life see that's the thing is like <laughs> well let's before we get to the narrator who's trying to convince somebody to love him whoever that might be you said earlier that this is like a a, a film within a song and yeah. it, it truly is i mean what of what of the passage you know how long did she pass as as a sailor um when she got to the new world how did she find this person and it happens over and over in, in different songs how the women are getting all the way to the battlefield and finding their true love and I, it, it's amazing that there hasn't been a film or what are the films that have been made that tell that story because it's such an often told story right yeah i mean there might be and i just not familiar but you know it's it's funny as we're sitting here and i'm reading these words i realize that i am i always assume something in this song that is not in the text, actually, because he says, you know, he says she picked him up, takes him to the physician to quickly heal her, quickly heal his wounds. This couple, they got married. 
right? right. So welded thicker. Right. So they did get married. But for yeah, in, in my in my mind, I've always pictured that they she drags him to the physician and he dies basically on the physician's table. But in but before that happens, they get married. Like it's his they like she wants she loves this guy. She loves this Jackie Fraser guy so much that she basically has them get married, even though it's the last thing he's ever going to do. And I realized that's not in the song. I put all that in myself. That's all that's all well, backstory that I brought to it. Rob, if you need the, the the male love interest to die, I suggest you pick up June Tabor's Airs and Graces. And on that you'll have at least one or two versions of a song where the love is tragically dead on the field. Okay. You can, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I guess I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a romantic in that way. Uh but yeah, I mean they said they're both very different songs very different performances but yet they share a lot of you know sort of thematic similarities and uh again these these records are just absolutely gorgeous stuff you know i've i've said it every time these records come up i i i remember thinking at the time you know oh is he done is he done writing new songs is this all is this what we're going to get for the rest of his career and i even at the time i remember thinking okay if that's the case, okay. If he just is going to put out folk records, if they're going to be this good, cool. Do what you want, Bob. You you don't owe us anything. Is World Gone Wrong the last record before Time Out of Mind? Yes. Yeah, so I think that, I really think that that is telling in terms of output and creativity and yeah. depth of storytelling. Um, it's it's start, for many people, I think, consider it to be like the start of a new chapter with Time Out of Mind, right? In yeah, totally. Bob. And so I think that just like when you said in his, in, in the sixties, he was kind of done doing the folk songs because he wanted to be able to write them himself. I mean, it seems like that too, you know, in, 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 in this time period, it's almost like 30 years later hitting the reset button, um, and, and, and bringing that creativity out. Oh, totally. I mean, we all, we all have the benefit of hindsight of seeing, okay, the stuff that he felt he had to reconnect to with these records helped inform time out of mind and we can see later on that the stuff that he did for the sinatra records helped inform a new i think style of singing that he brings to rough and rowdy ways and so he does this this is something he does where he goes and he sort of reconnects with the roots of what got him here and he then he, he develops it and it turns into a whole nother thing but i mean these he said if he had decided to crank out one of these records a year for the next five years i would have been completely satisfied with it because i would have learned about all these songs i'd never knew about and again to go back to listening to these performances like they're still fresh and they still sound great even though they're a one guy maybe maybe a second guy you know but, but mostly one guy with a producer recording in his garage i mean the most bare bones thing imaginable and yet they still when i was listening to jack O'Row again i was like god this still sounds as vital to me as it did when i first heard it when I bought it of bought World Gone Wrong uh, as a CD from a record store in 1993, 100%. It, it could have come out yesterday. Yeah, totally. Yep. Well, James, uh, thank you so much for coming on to talk about these songs. Like I said I was really fascinated that you wanted to be on the show, but you wanted to talk about songs that Bob didn't write, which I always thought was kind of a kind of a bold move, and I appreciate that. So, thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. This was a blast. Absolutely. So, before we sign off, I have to ask you an exit question that you probably know what it is at this point. This is again, your first time on the show, which is if there's any recording session for anything Bob's ever done that you could sit in on, what would it be? Oh, uh, 
these? <laughs> no, that's a tough question. I mean, I ha- the idea of him in a guitar alone and singing and performing, that's what you're going to get on these records. I think I probably would go with uh, this record, World Gone Wrong, to be, to be honest, because I wouldn't want to have a deal with whatever else was going on for him in the 60s at the height of his, you know, fame. That probably wouldn't have been a comfortable place to be. But in his garage, uh, singing, that would be the fly on the wall. See what that's like. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Pretty yeah. amazing. So, all right, perfectly good answer. Absolutely perfectly good answer. So, well, again, James, thank you so much for, for coming on. And thank you all for listening. Uh, of course, you can find all the episodes of this show over on our website, fmpods.com. You can find the show on Twitter and Blue Sky under Pod Dylan. I will mention that we have another bonus episode uh, coming down the pike on October 25th, Wednesday the 25th, with uh, ret- returning guest Amy Maud Helfer. Uh, one of my favorite guests and we have a great conversation i won't tell you what the show is about i think it'll just it's a little different from anything we've really done on the show before and even on any of the bonus shows but i think you'll you'll all enjoy it and of course to be able to listen to that bonus episode means you have to subscribe to pod dylan and you can do that over on apple podcasts or on our website as i mentioned fmpods.com so you get bonus episodes all the extended shows and all the other bonus material and you're supporting Pod Dylan and I would really appreciate it. So for now, that's going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you later. Bye. A reasonably great length to learn a real folk song for you. From, uh, I learned this from the playing of the great, great uh, folk guitarist, Nick Jones. tender years She fell in love with a sailor boy Yes, it's true she loved him well But to go off to sea with him Like she did not know how She longed to see that seaport town up in Canada, I owe.